Rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for joining us there online. Thank you, amen, to the saints in the house of God one more time. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We will praise Him, we will bless Him, we lift up our hands, we shout for to joy. Because it's good to be saying, I'm glad to see you here. I'm glad to see you here, amen. And we want to welcome you to join us in the worship a little something like this.
you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, Heavenly Father. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, Lord. 
thank you, Heavenly Father, that you know all about our problems, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, most of all, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for sending him to save mankind, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless all of our sick and our shut-in, Lord. Let's touch them and strengthen them, bless them, protect them, and keep them. Bless all of us, Heavenly Father, that we would have a mind to want to worship and serve you in truth and in spirit, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, we praise you, magnify you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. The scripture reading will come from 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you're able to stand out of God's word, you may do so. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to begin at verse 1. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And it reads, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flesh into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Amen. Oh, 
and Lord, have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue on talking about stewardship, I want to lift up this last message dealing with stewardship about how uh, you want to prepare for your blessing when God satisfies. Uh, if you just help that matter part, just tell your neighbor, God satisfies. Go ahead, go ahead and text somebody, reply, post it right there where you are to tell somebody, God satisfies. When we think about our life and what the satisfaction look like, what the success look like, uh, we get a different perspective upon who you may ask. The situations in our lives is that life is full of adversities. We have allowed life to be wrapped up Oftentimes we might feel not sufficient because we're not able to uh, able to acquire what other people may have. A number of studies have demonstrated that there's a, uh, a link between financial worries and mental health. Problems such as depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Financial problems adversely impact your mental health and this stress of debt and other financial issues leaves you feeling this sense of helplessness, anxiousness, and being depressed. But other things about financial security, some think that financial security means just a accumulation of wealth. But financial security does not mean you are wealthy. Financial security means that you are not worried and stressed out with your finances. You can have $50,000 and be financially secure. And someone can have $150,000 for a salary and not be financially secure. Based on how you live your life, we need to understand that what you have is already enough. I just preached the word already right there. You go ahead to tell you that what you have is already enough. We need to learn to live within our means and be comfortable with what we have. God provides us what we need. That's why we are always are comforted reading the 23rd number of the song. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Knowing that God gives me what I need, it helps me to understand that I keep myself stressed out when I want to get things I want. We are stressed and we are feeling anxious for things we cannot control. When you can't control something, when you get frustrated. Think about how you're trying to work on something. Anybody, and we say things like this, this stubborn bolt. <laughs> it's not working the way I want. Now I'm getting frustrated because I can't control it. It's not coming out as easy as should. So now we're trying to work on it, trying to get it done. We get frustrated. We get irritated when things don't work out. How much more are we frustrated when we can't pay bills? You cannot put food on the table. Your children looking at you knowing they're hungry because you're hungry and they're hungry just like you. And you're wondering how am I going to provide for my family? These issues of stress and financiality and poverty has, has hurt us and crushed us that we see different things impacting the ills in our community. But then as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's our responsibility by how we can support and be there to be in the gap to help those in need. We got to be a good steward. 
It means that a good steward does not mean that adverse life events will not happen. Because you can still be a good steward, but life happens at its quickly. Like anything can come, disasters can come, death can come, emergencies can come. That's why you need to prepare for your emergencies. Since why definitely when we had many of the hurricanes and, and since definitely since 911, right, we talk about preparing the kids. In case of disaster, having a bag ready so that you can walk out your house in case in security and have some ready. So it tells you that you want to have at least a week of medicine saved up in there. You want to have your first aid kit. You want to have batteries and fresh batteries and a flashlight. So therefore, you need to check it up to make sure those batteries aren't dead. To make sure that flashlight is ready. You want to make sure you have blankets and maybe some dry foods to eat in case a thing happens, right? You prepare. You, you don't plan on having a flat tire while you drive your car, but you know you got a spare. You don't plan on having a fire in your house, but you want to make sure that fire detector works, that smoke detector works. You plan for him with a virgin, but you don't plan to die, but you better plan for your death. Oftentimes, we see people struggle in times of death because life happens quickly. We, we, want, we, we, we know we're not going to live forever, but we think, we act like we're going to live forever. But life is full of unexpectedness. We all get set back. Yet, it's good to have these plans and these desires and resources set up so that when we understand when life comes at us, we have supplies to help us, assistance. The Lord is able to supply all our needs. And God is through our diverse, difficult times. And also I want to encourage us, not only do you want to have your safety kit, not only do you want to have your safety plan, but every day you need to check in with God. Just as you can have that fire extinguisher, a spare tire right there, you don't check on, it's not there every day, but you know you need it, but you need it, God. Here we're going to find in our text today, Elisha. Elisha now is taking over the great prophet Elijah. Elijah has been called up by God in a fiery whirlwind, and now Elisha is now the man of God, the prophet of God, speaking for the people of God. Elisha is now recognized as a prophet after the Lord, and, as, and yet Elisha is not always recognized by all the kings. But when the southern king, Jehoshaphat of Judah, asked for a word from the prophet of God, they asked for Elisha. Now we see that in the third chapter of Kings. When the three kings came by, they said, we need a word from the Lord. And so after they got victory by hearing from the word of God, we pick up here in this fourth chapter a miraculous story. Showing us about the prophet of Elisha. Elijah has a prophet, and the prophet had miracles dealing with the widow, dealing with um, um, waters, and dealing with. So we see kind of a parallel of how God elevated Elisha's ministry with the same kind of miracles. Our text says, the New Living Translation says, One day, the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband. Who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. I want to encourage us right here at this moment in time about this man. Uh, this man, we do not have the name that has deceased, uh, but we know of his character. 
It says he was a man of God. He was one of your prophets. You know he feared the Lord. What I encourage you to hear is that this godly father's legacy is spoke of in his death. Uh, the father showed the children and showed his wife how to, to be pinned on the Lord. Calamity came on her fast. Now she's in need. She knows I go to the Lord. Oftentimes in our lives, we go other places to get satisfaction, but we can't find any satisfaction. But yet God can satisfy. He can supply all our needs. Here it is, the wife was satisfied while the father was alive, but the father feared God. But now the father is gone. The mother is in need of help. But yet she understood that my father, my husband, served God. And let me go to the man of God and say, you got to help us out. How you live will be remembered in your death. Your life speaks louder than words. But also what I highlight here is that when she goes to the prophet, She's understanding that the prophet speaks from God. And she's coming with an expectancy that God is going to do something to help her out. I would encourage you that you need to go to God with that same expectancy. Believing that God is going to do something to help you out. That's why we can say, Father, I stretch my hand. That's why we can say, all I need is Jesus. When we understand that my God can do exceedingly above beyond what I can ask or think or even imagine according to his work within me in Christ Jesus, I can go to him with confidence. This widow, I can understand that she probably was, was reciting what Abraham was able to do. Father Abraham knows God as provider. How does Father Abraham know God as provider? Well, that's what he said when God said his son. Lord, provide. You do provide. Genesis 22, 14, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Matter of fact, we understand that Father Abraham knows God to be a provider because at his old age, God provided him with that son. We understand that God is a provider. That's why we get excited when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But even in the New Testament, Jesus shows how God is a provider. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You understand what it means to give us our daily bread? In the wilderness, they got bread daily. Matter of fact, God gave them enough bread. Matter of fact, God says that I'm going to give you so much on the sixth day, you ain't got to go out on the seventh day. He let them know that God will give you enough. And notice that he says, take as much as you need. He said, those that got more were satisfied, those that got less were satisfied. But nobody had any waste. Mm. So we know that God is satisfied. That God does not waste how. Can I go to him and realize that I have nothing? I can't do anything. But God, can you make something out of nothing? We turn to the Lord for provision. This widow had no way to provide on her own. Her husband is gone. But his death is still here. The children are still here. Life goes on. The father's legacy is, is, is sealed. He's remembered. He's recognized for his work. 
But yet now that he is gone, the debt collector comes not. Her husband estate is in debt, and she's unable to cover the debt. And the result would be her children would go into slavery. This seems harsh, but this was in the law because of slavery. They would go into slavery, but yet in the year of Jubilee, everybody would be saved. Everything would be restored. So it was only for a time that they have to pay off the debt until the year of Jubilee will come. But yet it still is a hardship realizing it has to be paid. This is the agreement they have. So she seeks a word from the Lord. She goes to see the man of God we know as the prophet Elisha. The prophet representing the word of the Lord but also understanding his limits. He understands that I can speak to you but yet I can only do through the power of God. I want to encourage you to stick a pin right here as she went to the man of God. Sometimes in our lives we got to go to the right people for godly counsel. Everybody is not going to give you the right counsel. Everybody is not looking for your best interest. Sometimes they're only looking out for themselves. But here, we need to understand that God has blessed us that we don't have just one man of God, but we got the word of God. That this word is available free of charge. You can download it. You can search it on the internet. You can go pick it up in the library. You will find getting no pass you one out for free. You can get the word. But in this time, she couldn't just go anywhere to get the word. She had to go to the man of God to get a word. But thank God that he's a present help in a time of struggle. In this text, this widow has to seek after this prophet. I, I don't know where the children were, but I understand as a single mom, it's not easy to get help. When you got children, if you got to take care of them. We don't know the age of these children, but they definitely have younger age that they're not able to work to supply and take care of their mother. And so I can understand now this widow's now asking the neighbor, neighbor, can you watch my kids? As I got to go find out how I can take care of them. And now she has to depend on somebody else to help her out. And she's already feeling embarrassed that she can't take care of them. Now I need to watch them while I got to go find this man. Okay. You understand how sometimes we look down on people or talk down upon them when we see them with their children. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know how, how easy or how hard their life might be. But yet you can find out. Can I help you? Let me not judge you. Let me not condemn you. Let me not speak down to you. But how can I help you? Don't assert yourself but ask. Can I they, they may say yes, they may say no, but well, you will do your job. I'll say, how can I show you the love of Christ? So compassion, so mercy. So here it is, the widow's leading on her neighbor. Can you help me with this child? Or maybe she got the children coming with her. Boy, y'all better behave. Don't, don't embarrass me from this prophet. Now she's coming, trying to gather them together. However it is, she's coming. She's coming knowing that I'm in need of assistance. Kings 2 Kings 4 chapter, verse 2 says, What can I do to help you? Tell me what do you have in the house. Notice what he says to her. He does not turn her away. He's like, I don't have money to give to you. But he's like, there's something we might be able to do. What can I do to help you? Then he asks this most important question. Tell me 
What do you have in the house? Say neighbors, in the house. See, the answer is nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Oftentimes in our lives, we don't know what we have till somebody else wants it. I see all the time with my children, they got toys that we bought for them that they don't play with. But as soon as friends come over to the house, all of a sudden they want to play with those toys. Because the friends want to play with the toys. And I'll say, now you need to say, you want to play with it all day. Now they come in and want to play all of a sudden, it's all yours. But oftentimes we are aware that maybe I don't appreciate what I have until I recognize what I have. I would encourage you that it's in the house. Sometimes we have things in our house that are for our benefit that we look over. What do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. This prophet looks to use what she already has access to in her house. Sometimes we look outside of our house. We, well, when what we need is already there. What is needed for success in your life starts with you. Do not be misled to think that you need someone else or something else than what you already have to be successful. Do not say, if I only had this, if I only could do that, but think about, thank God for what you do have. Do an inventory in your life and see what God has given you already. See how God has been using you already. You may not be used how somebody else is being used, but that's not what it's all about. You want to be used by God. Elijah lets you know that you, what you have in your house, we're going to work with that. I don't know about you, but if I was this widow, I'd be like, I already know that. What am I going to do with this? But well, look what he says to her. Y'all listening? And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Let me reread that. Borrow as many empty jars as what you can for your friends and neighbors. Then, verse 4, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flags into the jars, setting each one aside with his feet. What she had in her house is the flask of olive oil and her two sons. Her two sons and the flask of olive oil what God was going to use to improve her living situation. She did not see the good or the value of that flask of oil till the prophet said, that's what you need. God can use anything for his glory. God can improve our creativity. The more we learn to trust in him, we will be more creative with what we already got. Am I talking to somebody? See, I want to understand that God provides for us, but yet we're trying to make provision for ourselves. Instead of trusting in God, says, Lord, I trust in you to make it work. We want to start off big, but God says you can start off small and I'll make it big. The flask of the olive oil was of value to the widow, for she had all, all she had in her understanding was this in possession. But yet this flask of olive oil became of greater value once God has told her this is what you're going to use. Notice again, I reread it twice that see the prophet said, get as many as you can. 
encourage you to understand that God will bless you, but you got to prepare for the blessing. Sometimes we want God to bless us, but we don't want to do the work. The blessing wasn't going to come until she did the work. He has already spoke the blessing. You're waiting for the blessing to come. In order for the blessing to come, you got to prepare and have the capacity to go God to bless you with what he's going to give you. She had the house. She had the flask of oil. She had the two sons. But she had to go ask her neighbors, can I borrow some of your vessels? I can imagine her two sons working with her, going from house to house. And notice how these three bodies can carry a lot more than what she could. To go out and gather, matter of fact, if it was a modern day, I could see how they could have that old wagon. Walking around the street just collecting stuff. Everybody looking at what they're doing and says, I, I'm in need of some blessing. You got some, I'll, I'll take whatever you have. It, it don't matter the size, let me get it as long as I can use it. I can see them do it. So here they are being obedient to the word of God. She did as she was told. Y'all see that in verse 5? She did. See, when we are obedient unto God, we don't know what God is doing. But yet we are a part, we are part of the process of God blessing us as we're doing the work. She, she was told, all you need to do is go and get vessels and collect them. Then what? Close the door behind you and pour it out until it is filled. This, this thing about being full thinks again about Psalm 23. He anointed my head with oil and my cup runneth over. God will fill us up and he will pour you out a blessing you won't have room for. Here it is that the anointing that God is giving to this widow in a time of need. Notice it did not come any other time but in a time of need. She goes to the man of God. The man of God gives her instructions and she's obedient to the instructions. And I also want to highlight here, she closed the door behind her. She had to set the attitude. Sometimes in our lives, as God is working on us, we don't need everybody to be in our business. We say, all right, shit, we got to get together. I, I can imagine that them coming together and they're praying and saying, all right, God, what you going to do? But we're trusting you. I can see why they close the door because you, you might have some nosy neighbors. So people asking, so what you doing with all them vessels we gave? Am I going to get mine back? You can see them walking around asking like, don't be careful, you're going to spill that. That's a whole lot of stuff. Why are you doing that? Right? I can imagine just being, but yet they were able to have privacy. They were able to be intimate and able to just sit back and realize that God is bringing us. So sometimes you can see how we draw close together in times of tragedy, in times of adversity. Uh, when we're trusting God together, it helps us to be unified. It helps us to come together and realize we're here for the same purpose. She pours the olive oil. And when she goes to the house with her sons, and notice the text suggests to us that she's doing the pouring and they're bringing. I can imagine the symbol line. One brings the empty vessel, one removes the field vessel. One brings the empty vessel, one removes the full vessel. I think about this and how they're working it out, and I can see how the mothers is like, this is pretty, pretty nice. This also shows us again how modern, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? In a time of need, people ask their neighbors and friends to help them out. We have now social media, right? You can go fund. 
People can donate or raise donation, help you out. Here it is. She had to have a go folks. She had to go get. She had to go out and say, hey, y'all, give me what you want. But what they gave, God gave the increase. Because <laughs> they need, she needed the vessel, but God has already provided the resources that she needed. It's amazing how it's already in the house. God has already blessed the house, but are you doing the work in the house? The additional help of the two sons and preached to her passively to pour out and to receive everything that God was giving them. And notice what happened. When she got to the last jar, bring me one more. There's no more. This is amazing when I look at this because there's nothing wrong with them not being able to go. Tell your neighbor, God is enough. God already gave her enough. And so possibly maybe one jar jar might have been too much. But also notice that it says the oil stopped. So notice that there was no waste. The oil stopped. And so once it was done and she realized that there's no more then, she realized, okay, well, what do I do with all this? Y'all see that there in the text? So she goes to the man of God. The man of God says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now send thou for and pay the debt. And you and your sons can live on what is God satisfies. Notice they paid the debt first. And then once the debt was paid, she removed that anxiety, that stress, the pain of her children going into slavery. She paid off the debt. Now she is free. But now she's not just free, but now she has enough to provide for her children. She didn't go buy a new house. Come on, somebody. She didn't go buy her a new donkey and say, hey, we got this money. Let's go get some stuff. No, she realized that God was gracious to me. I am. Check it out. She is now satisfied with what God has given her. She has financial security, though she's not rich. But see, they were now to provide for, I was like a few more of the witnesses out here that understand that when I can remove the stress, of wondering how I'm going to take care of my loved ones, knowing that my God has provided for them already, I can rest. I can sleep. It is well with my soul. God filled up every vessel. Every vessel they brought, God filled up. Notice how they did not have to find the olive oil. It was already in the house. I want to encourage you when I think about how this woman was found in debt, wondering who could redeem her and save her, yet there was no one to be found but the man of God saying that God can step in your behalf. I hope you see where I'm going here. Are you living your life full of pain and suffering and death and doubt, wondering who can step in to help you out? Well, I want to tell you about Jesus. He's a present help in the time of struggle. That what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the fact. We understand that Jesus has forgiven us of our debt. 
God's satisfaction. I, I, I may not have a big mansion. I may not have a fancy car and fancy clothes. But I'm so glad that I don't have sin weighing me down. I ain't worried about what's going to happen in the end day because I know I'm going to be changed in the twinkling of my eye. Can anybody else testify that I'm not worried about what's happening here when I know what's going to be happening up there? Look up to the hills from which cometh my help, and all my help comes from the Lord. Notice here that in order for the widow to be get right, her debt had to be paid first. Notice in order for us to get right, our debt had to be paid first. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm trying to tell you today that God satisfies Will you let him provide you in your life? Give us this day our daily bread. I don't need to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow in his hand. I'm glad today that I'm feeling alive to know that I'm alive in Christ. The debt was cut. Notice how they kept on bringing until it was enough. Don't get caught on asking God for more stuff when you already got enough. As you thank him for how he blessed you already. I bet if you did some inventory right now, you realize you got blessings you didn't know you had. God treats you better than you deserve. Aren't you glad today that God is a good God? Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else, and live right in all he'll give you everything that you need. God can provide for you. You don't need to have a big bank account. You don't need to drive around and lose faith. But yet, if you understand that God can supply your needs, you'll realize you have everything that you need. When you think about it, and many of us have done it, when you go visit people in the hospital, they're not asking, how's my car? Y'all don't hear me? They're not asking, how is my car? When they're not concerned about that car, they say, how can I get out of this bed? How can I get back my health? You don't hear me? Somebody loses their voice. They're not asking you what's going on. They say, but how can I lift up my voice? I remember the times I've been with people died in the hospital, but they ever lift up their voice and said, then sings my soul. <laughs> how great thou art. In the time of pain, a time of death, they understand as long as I got wind going in through my lungs, I can lift up my voice and bless the Lord, my God. I'm encouraged. Don't get caught up in this world trying to live outside your means, but say, God, you will supply all my needs. He is more than enough. Our God is sufficient. Good day, now Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, Jesus is my king. He's the king of kings. He 
He's a Lord of Lords. So I understand that God will provide everything that I need. It's hard down here. Life comes at us sad. But yet, if we can be like this little and say, Lord, how can I get out of this situation? When you follow his instructions, when you do what he asks you to do, and then you'll find out that it will be good because God is good. So God can't provide you. Will you trust him? Will you follow after him? Will you serve him? And you will see that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. But you got to do your responsibility. We don't work to be saved. But we work because we are saved. Father, we just thank you for your provision. We thank you for sacrificing Jesus on the cross for our sins. Forgive us, with God, that we've been living to be in a materialistic world that sometimes we lose sight of what matters most. But thank you for reminding us how great is your mercy, how great is your love, how you forgive us, you have redeemed us, you restored us, and Father, revived. Father, help us all continue to be mindful that everything that we have belongs to you. And so, Father, we want to be gracious students with what you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for what we already have. Forgive us the times that we want stuff that we do not But may we be wise students and, and take care of everything you've blessed us with. And know that, Lord, you will give the increase as you see. Now, Father, bless us, Lord, and there might be someone here who does not know Jesus, and they want to know how their debt can be forgiven, how you remove their shame, you remove their guilt, because Jesus became our shame, he became our, your heart chastisement was upon him, but by his stripes, we are healed. So, Father, I pray they confess with their mouth, and believe in the heart of Christ and Lord, that they shall be saved. And, Father, I pray that they find a Bible-believing, Christian teaching church. Where they can be baptized, where they can be discipled, and have the fellowship and communion of the saints. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we stand in the hand of the disciples, we also give opportunity to give God his tithe and our offering. You're welcome to come forward as you feel free. Amen. In this place. And if you want to know more about Christ, we're looking to join the church online. Amen. You can reach out to us on our website. You can email us. And connect with us if you have to do work with you in discipleship in this place. Amen. 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 May we stand and follow the instructions of the ushers. Let us pray. Father, bless what we are desire to give to you with all that belongs to you. Bless and multiply and increase and bless all the Lord that desire to give yet heaven. We thank you, the Lord, you supply all our needs. In Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen.
Sunday, we're going to try to do souls to the polls if you have not done early voting on the Sunday, November, first Sunday, November 6th. Uh, that'd be the last week, too. So even if you don't have your plan to vote now this week, plan to come on Sunday. And uh, we plan on taking the vans out, those as many as we can, to go out to the election commission for early voting. So again, so make your plan. You, uh, yeah, you got your plan this week. Get it done. If not, come on Sunday to vote. I'm not telling you to vote, but I'm telling you to go out and vote. Um, voting is important. Voting is critical. So I encourage you to do that uh, this coming Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us stand for the doxology. Oh, God, I'm going to sing together. Oh. 